The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series of Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the 13th Doctor New Year's special, Eve of the Daleks. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. Howdy and Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everyone. <laughs> so before we get into things, I want to remind you to follow The Secrets of Doctor Who in Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, your favorite podcast app, or at the SQPN YouTube channel, where you should also be sure to hit the bell to get any notifications of new episodes. And I want to tell you about another show on the network you're sure to enjoy, which is called Let's Science. Every other week or every fortnight, as they say in Australia, you will get a new uh, episode about 20 minutes long that talks about some interesting aspect of science from Carolyn, Lindsay and Lino uh, looking at science from a Catholic point of view. So if you want to check that out, that's at sqpn.com slash science or wherever fine podcasts are found. All right, Jimmy, can you give us a uh, recap of Eve of the Daleks? It's New Year's Day, and the Doctor decides to do a full system reset on the TARDIS so it can fix itself from damage suffered during the Flux storyline. While it's resetting, the Doctor, Yaz, and Dan are stuck in a self-storage facility where they encounter two humans, Nick and Sarah, and several Daleks. The Daleks are there to kill the Doctor in reprisal for her actions in the Flux event leading to the destruction of the Dalek Warfleet, but every time they kill everyone, time resets itself and brings everybody back in shortening time loops, each a minute closer to midnight. It emerges that time is being reset because the TARDIS is resetting itself. To get out of the time loops and defeat the Daleks, the Doctor decides to use illegally stored explosives to blow up the self-storage building. So they put the plan into action, escape from the building, and trick the Daleks into blowing it up. The end. And after all those amazingly complex flux summaries, it is nice to have one I can do in just seven sentences. It's a much simpler episode, much simpler episode. So uh, let's start off by talking about the uh, the guest stars this week, uh, Sarah and Nick. And, you know, I really liked Sarah and Nick. What did you guys think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were Uh, great. Sarah had a refreshing show. She was Irish, right? I think that was yes, Irish. that was an Irish accent. That's what I thought. And she just had like this refreshing, no nonsense, sort of jaded attitude. That was yeah, she was kind of, of fun. kind of sarcastic and yeah. just kind of matter of fact and flawed. Yeah, uh, both both her and Nick were flawed characters in mm-hmm. a nice way. They weren't super the bestest whatever's ever mm-hmm. they uh they were both they were they they both made mistakes uh, um, and not just in terms of tactics but like at one point um nick is an eccentric and mm-hmm. he is at this self-storage facility he comes every new year's eve because he knows that's when sarah is going to be there she's the owner right and and she has unreliable help there's a character named jeff who we never get to meet 
who is never there on New Year's Eve, no matter <laughs> how often Sarah assigns him to work. And so she ends up having to work New Year's Eve, which means that uh, Nick has noticed that she's always there New Year's Eve. So he shows up because he's got a secret crush on her. He also has lots of other girlfriends, apparently, um, over the course of time, and they leave stuff at his place or with him. And he's self-storing it just in case they ever want it back, even if it's been yeah. years and it's an old old worthless monopoly game mm. or something like that instead of throwing it away and so when when um when sarah realizes that this is what nick is doing she starts talking to him about what a weirdo loser he is and she <laughs> so disheartens him and and blaming him for them being stuck in time loops with Daleks who are killing them. Right. And and he is so despondent after that, he sacrifices himself and lets himself get killed by mm -hmm. one of the Daleks. He knows he's going to come back, but he still does this, and she drove him to it. So that's a character flaw on right. her part, and she is mortified and mm -hmm. without saying I'm sorry, says I'm sorry. Right. Mm -hmm. Basically, yeah, I mean, it, it, and as expected, by the end of it, they end up together having gone through this time loop over and over and over again. They yeah, realize I, their feelings. It, and it was clear from the beginning that was going to happen. I like at the end, they 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 break the they pound on the fourth wall a little bit mm -hmm. um, where they're talking. They're they're leaving to, like, travel the world together and they're talking about our first date as or Sarah talks about the events of New Year's Day as their first date. And Nick <laughs> is like, I think that was more of a meet cute. And <laughs> and meet cute is film industry jargon or entertainment industry jargon for when two characters who are destined to be romantically involved first meet in a cute situation. Oh. And indeed, this was a meet cute. <laughs> it was so <laughs> they... <laughs> yeah, that, it was fun. I, I mean, to me, Sarah had a bit of a Donna Noble vibe to her. Yeah, sure. A little and bit. I like Donna. Bit. Yeah, I just that's a it's a fun personality to have in these situations, you know, uh, not the typical, oh, the doctor or, you know, that sort of thing. But sort of a no, like, I'm not just going to go along and and accept what you say. This is wrong. And, you know, kind of challenging the doctor on things. I, yeah. I enjoyed that. What what I like is after the very first reset, Nick and Sarah, who are not time travelers, immediately figure out that they're in a time loop. Yes. Yeah. And it is very quick. We do not waste time on this. They immediately figure out they're in a time loop being killed by robots. Yes. Killer yeah. robots. <laughs> Which that was a whole funny thing too with the with the uh, the whole killer robot thing. Um <laughs> and, and you know, if they've watched sci-fi, they've seen the time loop thing on Star Trek and a billion other uh, shows Stargate and everything has always I, has done time I, loops. I still prefer Stargate's take on it. It's the best. Know. It's the best uh, one. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> In my backswing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that, that episode is window of opportunity. I can't wait till we get to talk about that in the secrets yeah. of Stargate. Cause that's yes. a fun one. That, that was awesome. That is the best. Um, so it, it, it's, so it starts off that it's a, Elf storage is the, is the sign, but it's actually self storage, and the S has gone dark. But elf storage, I kind of felt like that. Off. What's that? Oh, fell it's off. Fallen it off. Fell off. All right. So Sarah has inherited this business from her uncle and just continued to run it for five years with one customer. Like Nick is her only customer. 
And I don't think that was I, I wondered about that because there is a line that's kind of confusing in that mm-hmm. regard. I think she means he's the one customer I have here on New Year's Eve, oh, as okay. opposed to being right. at a party with lots of people. I'm uh, just here it. with one customer. OK, OK. And yeah, that's that's kind of how I took it, too, is she knew he was going to come in. And so she had to be there anyways. And then for, like, just for him. Right, right. And then he, he kind of throws out uh, like when he's talking to her first, he goes, can you remind me of the list of things that can't be stored? Which is always a bad yeah. sign. <laughs> well, and it's okay. Here's all the things we're going to find in the building. Yes, exactly. Yep. Yeah, that was a very clear uh, 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 prefigurement of, of what we're going to find. I love the, I mean, the oh, go ahead. I was going to say it was obviously meant to be like he's basically just wanting to spend time with her and listen right. to her. Right. But what does hazardous yeah, mean? <laughs> yeah. And And I love the concept of Jeff, the unseen character who plays a key role in the resolution of this by the fact of all of the bad things he does. Like he is now, a bad man. As guy, the doctor says. There was a guy at the end that saw the fireworks that my head cannons. That's Jeff. I wondered if that was Jeff too. They never identified who that was one way or another, but there is a guy watching the fireworks display from a distance after the building blows up. Yeah. There's a, well, there's a, Oh wait, this is Carl. That was Carl from, uh, the the Sim Shaw episode. Was okay. it really? He was on the train with Grace and Graham. Uh, I just huh. I was just looking at TARDIS Wikia. I saw him saw it listed. This Carl character, who's the only other person we had, we who was I don't remember. Yeah, and huh. it's apparently it's Carl Wright. The he was pursued as the trophy by Sim Shaw in Sheffield. Oh, hmm. so, interesting. And uh, now he's in Manchester watching the fireworks. Apparently, yes. and they make a. Uh, a slam on Manchester, I think, at, at the beginning, which has got to be a UK thing. And so, because <laughs> oh, yeah. because the doctor is supposed to be taking uh, uh, um, Yaz and uh, Dan mm-hmm. to this beach planet. The the doctor never apparently in any incarnation can ever actually get to a beach planet when when he or she intends to. <laughs> you'd think you'd look no, up, but he yeah. he did get to a beach planet once in that we saw. I mean, he, mm-hmm. they mentioned him getting to beach planets other times. Yeah. Like when the 10th, the 11th doctor went to space, Florida. Right. Um, but they did get to the beach planet in mind warp in yeah. the seventh doctor's time when, uh, when uh, Perry ended up having her brain trans swapped with an alien evil slug <laughs> and then got blown to bits by her sort of boyfriend, Brian blessed. That was that one. Yes. Yep. Yes. That happened. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you would think that though they would that they would have looked out the door to make sure they were actually at their destination before doing the resetting the the TARDIS and if we stay inside too long we'll die like make sure you're there but you know that wouldn't have worked with the story I guess but uh, I, I like that they pointed out oh yeah if if we stay inside while it's resetting we'll die because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> all the architecture is going to be colliding around like crazy right right yep. so TARDIS separation uh, right off the bat which is you know part of the thing. Um, then the, you have this up. Uh, the, then we have the Daleks show up, and uh, Nick gets shot very fairly quickly. He's up in his uh, storage area. Um, and by, by the way, I like the I like the Dalek Gatling, Gat, Gatling gun. Yes, the upgrades are kind of uh, interesting on the uh, the Daleks. At one point, someone says, "I forget if it's the Doctor or somebody else." I guess it's the Doctor. Daleks are the deadliest killing machines in the universe. And Melanie and I, my wife Melanie and I, kind of look at each other and go, "They're not." Really, actually, they're not all that hard to kill. The doctor kills lots of them all the time. <laughs> it, it depends on which episode you're watching, how deadly they are. 
I guess that's true. In the especially in Classic, there was a uh, that one we had the uh, the Seventh Doctor and the really the battle tank Daleks, which were pretty pretty impressive. I guess yeah, heavy yeah. heavy weapons Dalek, yeah. Yeah. And also then, in in New Who, when they bring the Daleks back for the first time, it's it's implied they are extremely deadly and like one Dalek could wipe out life on Earth. Right, mm-hmm. right, right, right. And uh, the Daleks get a bunch of fun lines like Daleks learn, you know, like they, they uh, yeah. as they're stalking the doctor and, and the others throughout the building in each loop. Yeah. You know, so, we find out Daleks don't have friends, so that's that's why they're so mean and right. killy. <laughs> I like when 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 uh, when the doctor refers, they're taunting the Daleks, and the doctor refers to you know tell your friends or something. Daleks do not have friends. Well, that's your own fault, isn't it? <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> and so one of the key aspects of this is the the first loop begins at ten minutes to midnight, and mm-hmm. each successive loop is one minute shorter. And I get the idea that they're trying to create this dramatic tension of, you know, we're going to get shorter, get shorter. But there is a there is a whole a plot hole in this, which is the amount of action that happens in each loop, especially the last one that's one minute long, is impossible to occur in one in in the amount of time that they've said it's going to occur. It it kind of it kind of annoyed me a little bit. I have to say I have to suspend (laughs) my disbelief and that sort of thing. But it is kind of funny. I I wondered about that. I didn't time it because I didn't care enough to time it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if I it, 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 I was thinking about the problem as it was coming up on the final time loop, and when they actually get to the final time loop, the um, they they they're all split up, mm-hmm. and so we're tracking what several groups of people are doing in the same minute. And that may that may if you like divide by three, because I think they're in three groups at that Mm -hmm. point, that may um, make uh, make it make a little more sense. I was thinking about that. So the doctor and and I think, yes, go from the basement to the fifth floor Mm -hmm. to get Jeff's hazardous materials, then brings it back to the basement and sets up the whole explosive thing with the phone in time to do you do that all in the fine final loop i thought they did that in the third to last loop and then they took the second to last loop off to to mislead the daleks into thinking they were doing something other than their real plan but did the well now that raises the question is is did everything reset back to where it was or did the stuff they moved stay where uh, it was So here's the thing on that um the, they establish it that um because the time loops are getting closer to midnight or beginning closer mm-hmm. to midnight um that the effects of previous time loops will remain up to the minute of restart and there's a particular dramatic point in in the episode where um, Sarah points out uh. this is like on the, the bridge between the fourth and the fifth time loop. Um, Sarah is storm is defying the doctor's commands and is storming off to get Nick. And the doctor says, stay here. You got to follow my plan if this is going to work. And she says, no, Nick did not make it past the fifth minute. Right. We're about to go into the fourth loop. If I don't get him now, Nick stays dead. Oh, Mm -hmm. okay. So the things that happened in the in the the minute that's passed. Okay. Right. Okay. And they they did show that, but it's very subtle because it was like Sarah and Nick as they were moving where they started the loop. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it, okay. it would change position. So they would change right. position. So yeah, that was, that was a little confusing for me at the end too. But um, yeah, as you mentioned it, Jimmy, it, it makes a little more sense now. Um, I was just, just thinking, you know, they could have done this episode. I mean, it would, they would have had the time to do it where you have the full 10 minutes, full nine minutes, the full eight minutes. But let's be honest, that would be kind of boring to, yeah to do it. Yeah. And there were some of the, some of the loops, they, they all but skipped over them. I mean, they, right. they spent, two minutes on it of, you know, them getting shot by the Daleks and we reset. Right, right, right. Um, I, I like that Nick saves himself in uh, when he's get confronted by two Daleks. He he sets them up in a crossfire situation. So they kill each other. <laughs> very, very clever uh, on Nick's part. Um, yeah, that was great. Just when you're sandwiched between two Daleks, <laughs> taunt them and duck. Yep. <laughs> right. um, at another point, Dan sacrifices himself, even though, even though they know they're in a loop, there's always that chance that you, you know, this may be the last. You're still dying, so it, it, it mm-hmm. seems it's a bit of a risk. But yeah, yeah, so that's a pain. Yeah, that was something I wondered about: is how much pain are they subjectively experiencing? Because they seem they don't show bad after effects. Yeah, you know, when time resets, it's not like wow, did that hurt? Right, right. But they do seem to like cringe when they get hit by the Dalek weapon. So, um. Yeah, it could it could be that the Daleks fry your nervous system so fast that's involuntary and you're not really experiencing it. Mm. The the doctor does get her usual moment when she gets to make a speech about try, oh. try again. Oh, that was First, one of the two two weak points in the episode. Yes. Yeah. Um, the, the overall this episode, I thought it started really great. Yep. Uh, it's very fast paced. They're not wasting time on stuff. They're not preaching at us. And then eventually we get a preachy speech towards the end about, oh, we've all got to be together in our togetherness and blah, blah, blah. And it just <laughs> goes on for too long. Mm. Um, I mean, you yeah. could it, oh, yeah. if, if you're going to have that speech at all, it needed to be much shorter. Well, Chimno apparently has been taking notes from Discovery. So <laughs> I was going to say a Star Trek Discovery episode broke out in the middle of, <laughs> of uh, yeah, in, in more than yeah. one way. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, we can talk about that in a bit. But yeah, she, she's like, you know, we go again and we win. And it's like, yeah, OK, all and right. we fail and then we yeah. win, fail better and stuff like that. <laughs> right. It's like it's like being at a, like a business uh, meeting, uh, you know, a, a, a motivational business meeting. Uh, well, the and we should say the other uh, less than perfect part. Um, I'm gonna throw it out there that you, you guys, uh, I, I, I wonder if you'll agree. Is the Dan whole thing point, Dan points out yeah. that Yaz has romantic feelings for the Doctor, and both Yaz and the Doctor are pretending this isn't the case. So we, we've had Doctor as my boyfriend. Now we got yeah. Doctor as my girlfriend. I guess. And because they, I, I was wondering after the last episode because they were clearly at the end of Flux hinting at this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wondered, are they going to leave it where it is, or are they going to advance that plot line? And they advanced it, and that means they're going to advance it again. Right. Um, but the thing is, they only have two episodes left before th- yep. the Doctor is gone, and presumably Yaz is going too. I don't think. I don't think Russell T. Davies is going to want to have relics of the Chibnall era laying around to <laughs> uh, to deal with. And right. so Yaz is almost certainly going to go, as is the Doctor. And that means we're not going to have any long, drawn-out romance. Um, we, may yeah. a fi- we may get a a dying, yeah, I love you, Rose Tyler moment, you know, mm-hmm. which is all we've ever had before on screen with a companion. Yeah. Right. I mean, they've, 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 played with romantic chemistry with like Rose Tyler. Um, and, but then in terms of overt stuff, 
all we got was a tragic goodbye. Yep. And we yeah. could have a tragic goodbye with Yaz, but there's not going to be time for much more than that. I just feel like it's it's been done. Like we, it's, yeah. it, it's retreading. <laughs> you know, we, we had Ro, like you said, Rose and the Eleventh Doctor, Rose Tenth uh, Doctor. I'm sorry, Ro, uh, then um, the, Martha uh, Jones, Martha Jones. I kept wanting to say Jones, Martha Jones and the Tenth Doctor, and then we had Clara, uh, Clara and the Eleventh Doctor, and and then finally with. The twelfth Doctor, we didn't have to deal with any of that. That wasn't that clearly no. wasn't happening between Clara and him. wasn't happening with Bill and him, and and then we didn't have it with this Doctor. Like uh, I was kind of wondering whether one of the they'd end up putting a male companion in there who would have feelings for the the thirteenth Doctor, and that would actually be at least a twist, you know, a, a little bit of turnabout. But I just I feel like this whole like, romantic feelings with the companion for the Doctor has been done. There's nothing new or interesting about that. Uh, it creates this tension oh it is understandable from a certain point of view in that if i mean if you're an ordinary human being living your ordinary human life and this amazing person comes in and sweeps you off your feet and takes you these amazing places and you have exciting thrilling adventures that could for 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 various people if you're not Fleeing and hiding behind your sofa, <laughs> um, it 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 could you know blend into romance for some people. So I don't I don't think that it's. I mean I don't like it happening, especially in this context, and it has been done. Yeah. Um, but I understand the psychological dynamic that's there, and I don't mind it in principle coming up on the show from time to time. I don't like it here, but I don't mind that you know Sarah Jane and. Tom Baker's doctor had romantic chemistry, mm-hmm. you know, even though they never paid it off on screen. Um, and, and I, I don't want, uh, and I, I don't want an ongoing soap opera and I don't want a lot of this kind of content, but I don't object to occasional doctor companion, right. Romantic vibes. Right. Uh, did, did it, does it feel to you, it, like well, it feels like to me that some of this is a bit of fan service to a particular part oh, of the yes. fan base. Oh we, yeah! As soon as we had a female doctor, we needed to have this particular kind of same-sex relationship come up. That these scenes between with Dan and Yaz, and then uh, Yaz and the Doctor were very much just flying the flag. You know, yeah. I mean, we, we got to get it out there. We got to make sure we're we're, you know, checking our little checkbox and, you know, it, it's there because, I mean, the episode would have been fine without any of it. Actually, probably would have right. been better without any of it. Well, it would have been better without it yeah. because yeah. it drags down the plot. There exactly. is a, up to now, other than the togetherness motivational speech. This has been a mile a minute. It has been mm-hmm. fun and enjoyable, and it's it's really getting work done. Even though it's a simple story structure, it's complex in terms of all the things they're trying to do yeah. in these different loops. And um, and it was in it was very engaging, except for the two scenes where they bog it down. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and even just the fact of okay, we're we're in this loop now. It was like the four minute left loop, and Dan has this big long conversation with Yaz about it. It's like uh, no time for this now. Survive and then talk about it. Right. Right. That's yeah. It just it would. I feel like it would be better or just as good or what if it was just 
Yaz is friends with the doctor and she just wants to be really good friends with the doctor and idolizes her and holds her up, puts her on a pedestal and wants to, to travel with her and be just like the doctor. Like, it could be that. Like, they just. Well, that was Clara. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of companions. <laughs> it's a lot of companions. It's, yeah. It was Amy, too, and Ace to some yep. degree. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, but I know I don't I don't like this either. So let's talk about something I do like. Yes. Let's um, the there when the doctor first meets uh, Nick and Sarah, mm-hmm. she's she's charging up this corridor, waving the psychic paper at them. <laughs> yes. And. And um, and she, as usual, doesn't know what the psychic paper is showing to explain their presence here. Um, But the but Sarah, the owner, says, are you really from building control? And the doctor says, yes, I'm here to control your building. (laughs) (laughs) And um, and then the doctor says, we've got to get out of here. There's and, and Sarah is like, we're stuck in a time loop being killed by robots. Yeah. And the doctor is like, well, actually, it's a Dalek. And Sarah is, you know, its name. Is it your robot? We've died like two times already. And and at that point, Nick is kind of perplexed. And he says, I'm trying to figure out which is more unlikely time loops with robots or three people from the council working on New Year's Eve. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> that was a that, very good line. That, that definitely crosses a culture. We could we could pick some government workers here in the United States that. Yeah, they wouldn't set foot in the office for anything on New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah, right. Never mind three yeah. of them. Um, also, after Nick sacrifices himself, uh, Sarah. Now, Sarah's mom is I is the only other character we see in this, and we yeah. only see mm-hmm. her on Sarah's smartphone, which is partly broken. It's not fully functional. Yeah. Um, but her mom keeps calling her at like three minutes to midnight because she's under the illusion that the phone lines will fill up at midnight and she won't be able to get through. And that's a real thing that used to happen. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yes. But uh, but but Sarah is like, Mom, it isn't 1973 anymore. <laughs> the, you know, the phone lines will be fine. Yeah. And um, and modern phone systems almost because everyone is carrying smartphones, they're scaled up for Mm -hmm. everybody having a phone and being on them very frequently. And so phone lines very seldom max out that way. Although they did when the space shuttle crashed over my family ranch, Mm. a little rural, Mm. rural uh, phone network in East Texas. And when the space Mm. shuttle went down, everybody called everybody to find out if everybody was okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and uh, and similarly, I believe in 9-11, the phone system in New York maxed out oh, but yeah. the text uh functions on people's phones kept working right yeah because text is low bandwidth it is uh, compared to voice and so it doesn't chew up nearly as much uh network capacity yeah yeah modern modern cell phone systems and even modern landline systems will overload in in emergency especially if there's something like a natural emergency that destroys towers and things like that but yeah jimmy's absolutely right you know in an emergency if you're you know if you're in a uh, natural disaster or something like that don't call send texts yeah because that and also the advantage of text is they send out when there's a gap in the bandwidth when they can get that little sneak in you know so it might not be right away but it'll send yeah, yeah. but um a- immediately after nick sacrifices himself um 
Sarah is recoiling in the storage unit and she's like up against a wall between a shelf and the wall and her mom, her and she's just like cringing from what she's just seen. And she's very distraught. And it's at that moment her mom calls again <laughs> and she says, oh, my giddy aunt. <laughs> Which is a direct callback to Patrick Troughton. That was one of his catchphrases. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> we also have the doctor. There's a number of fan service things like that in here. Um, and when the Daleks are explaining that they're here to punish the doctor for what happened with the Dalek war fleet, she says, that was not my doing. That was a Sontaran stratagem. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which was Which, an episode name from earlier in New Who. Yep. You know, one of the things I liked was when her. Uh, the doctor said to Sarah, I need your mom to call it exactly 10 seconds to midnight. And, and Sarah's response is <laughs> we're doomed. It, we're doomed. Because <laughs> if, if, if we're going to depend on my mom to do anything, I tell her exactly as I told her to do it, it's never going to happen. So you figure out a different, figure out a different plan. Cause otherwise we're doomed, which is, I think a great realistic uh, response to such a thing. Cause it would be the same way with my mom or <laughs> I, I think probably a lot of people's moms, <laughs> mom, you have to call exactly <laughs> 10 seconds to midnight. I, you know, <laughs> that's not going to happen. That was good. Um, I actually, I, I think, I mean, if you phrased it right, most people's moms would probably be on board, but it would need to be something like, this is life and death. I will literally die unless you call at 10 seconds to midnight. Do this. Do not ask questions. Right. Uh, and then yeah. hang up. And then, so she has to do it. But yeah. To call you back if she wants closure. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Uh, let's talk quickly about uh, Jeff's contraband in the building. So, so Jeff is the employee who's never showed up, never shows up, who apparently has taken over large sections of this of the storage facility that uh, that uh, Sarah wasn't aware of. And so on the fifth floor, he has one whole storage locker that's full of taxidermy, which is a yeah, violation we, of the no, uh, no live no, or dead animals. You're right. I don't know why that would be prohibited, though. I mean... Well, I bet it's not for taxidermy, but more to no live animals. I understand that. Uh, yeah, I get right. that. And probably but... no, like, dead meat sort of well, thing. Well, and, and I wonder, too, though, how much of it is British rules about, you know, what kind of animals you can have taxidermied in the oh, first place. Perhaps, perhaps. Maybe they have different rules. Yeah. Well, I can understand. I mean, certain animals may be illegal to keep and maybe even illegal to have their remains because they're exotic mm-hmm. or something and you don't want to encourage trafficking and and killing exotic animals. Yeah. But that wouldn't lead to a blanket policy of no dead animals. I mean, are you not allowed to have leather belts in your storage unit? <laughs> <laughs> How about right. a pair of boots? Yeah. Right, right. Uh, and then in the next one, he's got a bunch of party stuff. I'm not sure why that would be contraband. What was that about? I don't know that that was meant to be contraband. I think that was just meant to be useless. Yeah, weird. Exactly. Weird, Uh, yeah. And and then an entire storage locker filled with thousands of cans of beef and beans. Uh, It's apparently three years past its expiration. (laughs) Yeah. Now, now I I, I would like to hear from our our British people, because beef and beans is not something you find here. You find pork and beans a lot here in the United States. Hot dogs and beans, yeah. Yeah, you know, or or the little piece of bacon fat and beans, basically. Right. But um, which so is beef and beans really that pork and beans? Yeah, yeah. is uh is, is beef and beans really that bad? Because you know that actually, if it's done right, that sounds pretty good. But <laughs> so maybe it's like uh you know uh, Chef Boyardee or something over there. That's but, yeah. yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. And then he's got another storage locker that is basically he's is an apartment that he's living in. Uh, yep. Although yeah, yep. uh, which again is a violation of yet another. 
uh, requirement that uh, you can't don't live in your uh, storage locker. And then a final one that has like all kinds of chemicals, like he's running a drug lab or something mm-hmm. in there, which. Uh, yeah. which And he's got a big, massive case of set of boxes of fireworks down in the basement, in the basement. Right. It, which and eventually because everything explodes in the, because of the doctor at the end of it sets off the New Year's Eve fireworks as the building collapses, which was actually a, a pretty nice effect. They they had the, the building mm-hmm. uh, going down. Uh, the TARDIS survives. We did see the casings of the of the dead Daleks and, and underneath that. So uh, that closed that loop for us, too. So, uh, yeah, so the, so the things end up relatively, you know, everybody is alive and fine. I was kind of like, why? Why did they assume that a the loops end at midnight because midnight is an arbitrary you know in that location midnight is an arbitrary time if you're calculating the loops getting shorter because the doctor has noticed there that each time they're getting a minute closer to midnight you can infer midnight is going to be the summation of the overall series I, I suppose yeah. although it could be 1205 uh, you know but i mean it's just an arbitrary choice unless oh i see what you mean yeah, well but yeah. they're also measuring the they they get up to the moment well hmm i i i think it's also based on the fact they never get past midnight in the loops yeah mm-hmm. right right okay that could be it um and then yeah uh, yeah i get the, i guess so um uh, there's maybe something else but i guess that that's that's it I mean, let's be honest, they just did it so that they could have the fireworks display right at midnight. Right at midnight. Yeah. It's a New Year's Eve thing, and at the strike of midnight, it's, it's, it's oh, again. You guys, you guys are so non-diegetic. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, as you always say, Jimmy, it's science fantasy, so we don't, don't push it too hard. Yeah. Uh, and then we, we, end, yeah, we get the, the nice fireworks at the end. Uh, so uh, any other notes on this episode, Father Corey? I was kind of having the half hope that with the reset of the TARDIS, we'd get the new interior. That's yeah. going to be coming with the new doctor. And of course, we didn't get that. That'll but be up to Russell. T. I had a hope. Yeah, I, I, I had a hope that we would. Yeah. How about you, Jimmy? I'm not entirely sure. I'll have to go back and watch the first part of Flux again to see when. But I, I think the damage to the TARDIS was already there before the doctor tried to absorb Flux energy. Yep. And yep. so uh, I'm pretty clear I remember it that way. And so I don't I, I don't know if they're just if they had something bigger they were planning with the TARDIS being damaged. And this is they're just sweeping that under the rug and jettisoning it, jettisoning it, jettisoning it now. Um, mm-hmm. But I I don't think that the flux presented us with this damage is because of the flux. Yeah. Um, I like in this that now one thing the doctor says that's clearly wrong is that the time loop is limited to the building. So mm-hmm. if they can get out of the building after midnight, they won't be caught in the time loop. And that's clearly false because mom keeps calling. Yes. And mom right. has no memory of the prior calls. So mm-hmm. this is a time loop that is universal or at least terrestrial or at least British in scale, mm-hmm. um, presumably at least planetary. Um, and so that's a mistake that they make. Uh, I like that uh, this is uh, that we have non-universal stakes for once. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's yes. just about our characters and you build a perfectly fine fast paced drama that is very engaging with just these five people. Yep. And it's all about these people surviving. You don't have to blow it up into something like 
Britain's going to be destroyed or the universe <laughs> is going to be destroyed or anything right. like that. It's, if you have characters that people care about, you don't need to appeal to other things they care about, like the universe. <laughs> um, yes. In fact, they tend to people have trouble caring about the universe as a whole. They find it easier to care about characters they like. So this is actually better drama. Um I also like it when Dan is faking out the Dalek in the reception area as a delaying tactic, and he he pretends he thinks the Dalek is like automated uh, customer service, <laughs> yeah, and treats it like it's bad customer service, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I like the uh, the way the Daleks are portrayed more or less as vicious killers in this. Mm-hmm. They they don't spend a lot of time talking with people. Um, they actually talk a little more than they probably should, but they don't spend a lot of time talking and then they turn on their rapid fire guns and kill people. And they're, they're, they're scarier in this than they are in a mm-hmm. lot of stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I like the fact that while it's, you know, this drama and, you know, uh, lives are at stake, it's not a horror story. So it's, it's, mm. it's a little more fun that way. I mean, people are dying but coming back to life so this the in that case it's it's not it's not a horror scary thing that they could have done otherwise and i i do like that i like the feel of this one the the mm-hmm. lightheartedness of it is was fun of of the three new year's day specials we've had in the chibnall era i think this is the best agree i would agree with that yeah better than revolution of the daleks uh, certainly um yeah this is yeah this is the best one all right um so this there's a little bit of rumor news that uh, they're going to start filming the next season of that with Russell T. Davies this spring, which would mm-hmm. imply that there's a new doctor being cast as we speak. But there also we've got these two specials that are coming up to finish out the 13th Doctor's time, including the regeneration. Um, but we don't know. We don't have any sense of when those are going to happen, do we? Um, really. The first special is going to be around Easter. Okay. And the second special is going to be around October for the BBC 100th anniversary. Oh, okay, right. Uh, So I wonder what that implies for a Christmas slash New Year's special next year. I mean, are they going to break the tradition? Russell T. Davies has uh, hinted on Twitter that he will be reintroducing Christmas specials. Mm. Hmm. That would be nice. And, And so it's possible we'll get one. But I'm not at all sure that we will. I thought now if if I were a showrunner, I would want to have because they've got the 60th anniversary coming up yep. in, mm-hmm. in November of 2023. Yep. And if I were Russell T. Davies, I would want to have an entire season with the new uh, with the 14th Doctor before we head into the 60th right. anniversary because anniversaries like that tend to be multi-doctor stories mm-hmm. and you don't want additional doctors hogging up screen time if you're introducing somebody new for the first time. So I would want to do a Christmas special followed by us in at, at the end of 2022, followed by a series in 2023 leading up to the 60th anniversary in November of 2023 but apparently Russell T Davies is not doing it that way. So yeah. I don't I don't know exactly what they're going to do. He he may in he may have the 60th anniversary be the introduction other than a regeneration scene. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, of of the it may be the first 14th Doctor story. I don't know. I hope not. 
Well, a possibility too. I mean, depending on how they do it, is the Christmas special will be the introduction of the season, the new season. I mean, that's that's if they're starting to film a season already, maybe that's what they're thinking. Right. Well, it's kind of what they did with the with the tenth uh, Doctor, where they mm-hmm. had his first episode was that Christmas it was special. a Christmas app. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've not, I've seen not a it good hit... Christmas up. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, yeah. um, I've seen where he's been quoted or online, and where it seems to imply that he's looking that that uh, Davies is looking at November twenty twenty three as the the beginning of the next season. But it just drives me a little crazy. This like, how do you expect to maintain momentum in a fan base? I mean, I I feel like part of the reason why, in addition to quality of production, but well, part of the reasons why we lose ratings and, and fans with stuff like this is because we, we give them six episodes every three years and we expect people to maintain, you know, excitement and interest over that period of time. That's partly because of the history of British television, because that's not actually that unusual. They tend to historically, they've had much shorter series than Americans and often like oh yeah we'll come back in a couple of years and do another series maybe Mm -hmm. i guess yeah it's the american especially on streaming services have kind of gone to that model too it i find it i find it frustrating because it's again like i said it's hard to like you bring back your series and i I don't remember what who these people are what's going on (laughs) they're treating it kind of like movies yeah. Because uh, movies have such a, except for like back in the 30s when they rushed out Son of Kong within months of the original King Kong. <laughs> right. Um, that movies have a multi-year timeline and right. people are willing to come back for the next Avengers movie in three years. And they're not going to remember what happened in the previous one perfectly, but they'll be enthusiastic enough to do it. So... Um, yeah, so that's the way it is. Let's complain about it some more. That will do some good. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's very much it's very much uh, the binge model, you know, the yeah. model of let's get everything up online and then you can binge it. So, yeah, yeah, uh, just which I, in itself I, is not too bad. But I was wondering if you all had a, any, you know, uh, insight into more than I had what about what's going on. You, know, but, well, yeah. I, you look at you look at classic who and, you know, the idea that they had episodes, you know, seasons every year that were long seasons. It is pretty rare for British TV. Sure. Even back then. So, well, the good news is we've got lots of classic who to talk about and new who still. And we've got big finish and lots of other stuff to maintain. And that's the benefit of Doctor Who is it's got decades and decades of coming up on 60 years of stuff to talk about. So um, we're never going to run out. That's for sure. All right. Let's uh, wrap things up there. Then we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including Amy C., Andrea H., Robert B., Hannah G and Tina G, their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So we'd love to hear what you think of Eva the Daleks. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page or send an email to Who at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the 11th Doctor story, Journey to the Center of the TARDIS. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. Thank you, Dom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Doctor Who on StarQuest. And remember, Daleks do not have managers. 